This morning, I, I want to start by taking you back somewhere where we were last Sunday, and that is to the, the story of Paul Tripp and his apple tree. Um, I think most of you were maybe here, but let, let me remind you of the story just in case you've forgotten or you weren't here. He, he had a tree that year after year produced inedible, uh, woody, shriveled fruit. His wife says to him, Paul, this apple tree is hopeless. It's never going to produce anything worth eating. Let's get rid of it. Time to cut it down. But he reckons he's got a better idea. So he goes to the shops and he comes home with brand new garden shears and a fancy nail gun. And he also goes and gets a a crate of fresh, sparkling, juicy apples. And he climbs up the ladder and he nails the fresh apples to the dead tree. And thinks that he's fixed the problem. But of course, he hasn't fixed the problem at all. It's only a very superficial fix. The fruit that he's nailed up there won't last. And so the bit of the story that we didn't really explore is just thinking through this. If that is the solution to his apple tree, what does he have to do next week? The same thing, right? He has to go up the ladder, take down the rotting fruit, put fresh fruit up there, then come back down the ladder, then again, the next week, up the ladder, fresh fruit up there, bring down the old, and up and down and up and down he goes, never really fixing anything until he's completely exhausted, gives up and decides, it's not worth it anymore, I'm just going to leave things the way they were. I wonder if that sounds at all like how you feel when you're trying to change something in your life. We try to cut out the old things that you're struggling with and and trying to find new ways of living, new attitudes, new things that you want to attach onto your life, new behaviors you might want to attach onto your life, new, uh, new ways of relating people, new plans for how you'll use your time. You're trying to nail those onto your life. And the struggle is you're doing it again and again and again. See, Just like with Paul Tripp's apple tree, we're often after the quick fix in life, aren't we? We want to see immediate results. We want sudden transformation. And there's a temptation for Christians to think that because God is supernatural, that he works supernaturally, and because Christians have the promise of God the Holy Spirit working powerfully within us, there's a temptation to think that we ought to have sudden transformation in our own lives. There's the temptation to think that if things don't change quickly enough for us, then maybe I'm doing something wrong. Or if things aren't changing, then maybe God has given up on me. He's not that interested in in helping me. I think they would be wrong conclusions to draw. See, today I want to help you learn the lesson of the apple tree. I want to show you something about how God works change in our lives. Now, it's true. Sometimes God does do extraordinary things. Uh, You can read testimonies of people whose lives were changed dramatically, and that's great. That's wonderful. But that's not the normal way God does things. The ordinary, normal way in which God brings about change in our lives is gradual like fruit growing on a tree the normal ordinary way in which god brings about change in our lives is through the gradual reordering 
of our loves, the things that we're, we're drawn towards. It's through the gradual, progressive, sure and certain reordering of our lives and our actions bit by bit. See, if last week's lesson was to learn that trying to change through your own efforts will fail, this week's lesson is to learn that our job is to live by faith in what God has promised he will do in our lives. It's to live week after week, year after year, keeping in step with the Spirit. Let me say that again. Last week's lesson was trying to change by your own efforts will fail. Just trying to nail those apples onto the tree doesn't change the tree. This week's lesson is our job is to live by faith in what God is doing. By faith, that means keeping in step with the Spirit. That's the language of Galatians 5. Or another phrase that um, someone has come up with that, that I really like is this idea of a long obedience in the same direction. Eugene Peterson. A long obedience in the same direction. That's our job. The lesson of the apple tree is that fruit grows a fruit doesn't just magically appear. Any of you who've had a fruit tree, you know, you don't say goodnight to the fruit tree in the evening with no fruit on it, come back the next morning and it's got this bountiful crop of ripe, mature fruit. No, fruit grows. It grows gradually. It appears over time. And that's true with how God works in our lives too. It's not by accident that Paul talks about the fruit of the Spirit. But here's another thing about uh, the lesson that we can learn from the apple tree. You can have confidence that the fruit is going to grow. If you've got the right tree, you can have confidence that that fruit will appear. Now, if you've planted a walnut tree, you can have no confidence of getting apples from that tree. But if you've planted an apple tree, yes, you can be confident that the fruit it will produce is apples. The right fruit, with the right tree, the right fruit is inevitable. Not immediate, but it is inevitable. And Paul is saying the same sort of thing in Galatians chapter 5. If we go back, if you've got your Bible open, to just before uh, what Rex read for us in chapter 5, verse 5, Paul writes this. He says there, By faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. He's saying by faith, in other words, we have this certainty that God is going to do his work in us. So by faith we, we live that. And because we have this certainty, we eagerly await the changed life, the, the righteousness which is our hope for the future. Faith is about having confidence that what God says he will do, and so we live by that. See, he, he's saying because we've got the right tree, the right tree has been planted, we can live with confidence that the right fruit is going to come. And the point is, if you're a Christian, if you're someone who's turned from that life of self-centeredness and sin in repentance to God and put your faith in the Lord Jesus as the one who died to pay for that and who rose to bring you to new life, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, then the truth is, you already have that right tree growing in your life. You don't have to come up with it somehow. You don't have to 
manufacture it or produce it yourself. Well, we saw this last week, especially in Galatians 2 verse 20, that our old life has been put to death. There is now a new life that we have in Christ. So Galatians 2.20, um, the first part of that says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. The same thing is carried through in chapter 5 in verse 24, which we read before. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Uh, The image we used last week, the old tree has been uprooted. It's gone. But more than that, a new tree has been planted. A new life has been planted. So back in Galatians 2 verse 20, you can see it's there. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And that, friends, is something worth just pausing on. Just think about what that means. It means that God, the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Jesus, God himself is in you, lives in you, your new life It's there within you. It's growing. Um, Even in our earthbound, health-affected bodies, sin-affected bodies, with all the failures and disappointments of our life, the truth is, if you're a Christian, then God lives in you. Do you remember what the Apostle Paul says in in, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4? He talks about, we have this treasure in jars of clay. God lives in you. Now, I want to know if you actually believe that. Do you really believe that's true? And if you do, does it excite you? Because it ought to excite you to, to know that God lives in you. That's something to just rejoice in, to be astounded with. Just think about it. We're talking about the one true God who is greater than anything in the whole universe, who, in fact, is the creator of everything in the universe, all those billions of stars and galaxies out there that we're only just getting a a glimpse of these days. He made all of that, and he lives in you. Uh, The God who cannot ever be defeated, not by anyone, Not by anything seen or unseen. He cannot be defeated by anything in the past or the present or the future. This one true God who cannot be defeated, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, he has come into your life. And in the person of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, he lives in you. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Paul says. It's an amazing thing. And it has consequences. Because this is true, it's going to affect the way in which we live. This new tree, the life of Christ has been planted in our life. I no longer live, Christ lives in me. And so even with all the frustrations that we experience in life, we can say the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That phrase, I live by faith in the Son of God, means that I live as someone who knows with certainty that God himself is getting his hands dirty in the garden of my life. 
there has been this new thing planted, this new tree. And I know that the fruit of that tree is inevitable. So the life I live in the body, with all of its frustrations, I can live according to the promise of what God says he's doing in me, what he's already done and continues to do. That same kind of thinking is picked up in Galatians 5. Because my sinful nature has been crucified with Christ, 5 verse 24, and because I've been given, verse 25, this new life since we live by the Spirit, that's the word for being alive that's used there, what I do, since all of that's true, I, I, my job now is just to keep in step with the Spirit. So that's, that's what's true. That's what God has done. For the remainder of our time now, I want to think about what we do as a consequence of this. What does it look like for me to be someone who keeps in step with the Spirit, who lives by faith in the Son of God? How do you actually go about that day by day? Well, I want to start answering that by getting us to think about the sorts of things we might not do. And I want to start by asking, if that's true, if, what, if all of that is true, why would you not live by faith in the Son of God? What reason would you have? I mean, after all, Galatians 2.20, he loved you and he gave himself up for you. Now, the point I want to make is, if he's done that for you, He is not going to rip you off. That's the thing we fear, isn't it? That following Jesus, living by faith in him, is not going to lead to the good life that we want, the good life that we feel we're we're promised and we deserve. It's going to lead to disappointment. it's, It's not that Jesus died in order to make you his slave and to keep you down in the dungeon. No, he died to bring you life. You are not going to be shortchanged by him. If he has gone to the cross for you and suffered and died and felt the wrath of God fall on him, not for any sins that he had committed, but for the sins you and I have committed, if he gave everything up in order to give us that life, surely, if he didn't hold anything back then, surely why is he going to hold anything back from us now? Why wouldn't you follow him? Why wouldn't you live by faith in him? He's not going to rip you off. He died to give you the good life, the fruitful life, the flourishing life, his life planted in you, the the good fruit of his character being developed in you, the good fruit of love. I mean, when you look at that list of the fruit of the Spirit, that's the first one on the list, isn't it? And friends, I, I want to say to you, if you're a Christian, then you need to know God is at work growing love in your life. The same sort of love that we see in Jesus. God is growing that in you. You might not see it immediately. It's a slow, gradual thing. But he is at work to grow the love of Christ in your life. Like fruit growing on a tree. It will come. And not just love, that the fruit of the Spirit's a long list and it carries over. It's not just contained in that listing in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. You see other things turning up in other parts of the Bible. It's the character of Christ that we're looking for, compassion, forgiveness. That he's also growing joy in you, 
He's growing peace and patience in you. So even with all the turmoil that you, you face, through this world spinning out of control, he's growing peace in your heart and in your life. And patience, it, patience so that you, you can suffer without losing the plot. Patience that gives you the ability to be wronged by others without you becoming bitter about it. The kind of patience and peace that we see in the life of Jesus himself. By his spirit, God is growing those things in the life of every believer. It's not that you get some of the fruit. It's the whole thing. So kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control... And the others as well, against such things, the such things that comes in verse 23, takes us forward to other other places like Colossians with forgiveness and, and forbearance and compassion. It's the whole character of Jesus. That's the tree that God has planted in your life. The tree that produces progressively the character of Christ. Now I said, we're going to look at why you wouldn't follow him but also what what does it look like to go in the other direction because compare what's on that other tree uh, the list of things beforehand this is 19 to 21 hatred discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambition and plenty more i mean there's lots there same thing the the passage ends with and the like you can probably think of things that aren't on that list are things in your own life that you would rather see the end of. The point is, in Galatians 5, we're set up with these two different pictures. On the one hand, we've got the character of Jesus, this good fruit, nourishing fruit, full of life. And on the other hand, we've got the fruit of a life that is all about pleasing ourselves, all about getting our own way. And the fruit of that life is rotten, it's mouldy, it stinks. That is not the life that God brought you for. So why would you go back to it? Think about it this way. If you go away on holiday for a week or so and you forget that you've left some older food in the fridge, you come back, in the fridge you find this rotten, stinky apple... I do not think for a moment that you're going to reach into the fridge and take that and sink your teeth into its rank, mouldy delights, are you? You just wouldn't do it. So the question is, why then do we go to the grave to sink our teeth into what Christ has died to put to death? That life is gone, it's dead. And a new tree has been planted. A new tree that brings life and fruitfulness. Don't go back to the old one. So how, how do we keep then, in the language of Galatians 5, how do we live by the Spirit? How do we keep in step with the Spirit? How do we live this life of fruitfulness? Well, Paul gives us a really helpful image in Galatians 5, and it's this. Walking. That's all we have to do. It's It's walking. One step at a time, walking continuously in the right direction, that's all we need to do. 
Uh, Paul uses this image twice in the passage that was read, once in verse 16, which is a little bit obscured, and once in verse 25. So in verse 16, our translation, you can, the word can be translated live or walk. Um, I, I would prefer walk here because of what we see in verse 25. So there's a bit of a play on words. Literally there, it could be, so I say walk by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and you won't live that old way. If you're walking by the Spirit, reaching for the good fruit, you won't reach for the old, rotten stuff. And that imagery of walking, again, we've seen it before in verse 25, keep in step with the Spirit. All that means is the way that you started with Jesus, keep going. Keep moving in the same direction. Keep walking, eyes fixed on Christ, heart fixed on the things that he loves, and keep walking in that direction, step after step with confidence that God is doing his work in you, that he has given us this new life and this life of Jesus, which is going to produce fruit for us. Our job is not to create that. God is growing it in us. Our job is to just keep in step with what he's doing, to keep walking in that direction, one foot in front of the other, a long obedience in the same direction. Just keep walking in that direction. Sometimes temptation comes to us and it's this thing of which direction will I go? To sin or God? It's a choice between the old life and the new. And when we come to those moments of temptation, the trap for us can be that we think this particular moment, this is the decisive moment. What I decide here, this is where the battle is won or lost. But actually the truth is, how I do in that moment depends very much on all of the moments that have come before in my life. That's what keeping in step with the Spirit is all about. That's why the imagery of walking is so helpful. When faced with temptation, the truth is you've already won or lost that next step based on how you took the previous hundred steps, based on how you took the previous thousand or ten thousand before that. Keep walking in the same direction. What does that mean? It means habits, doesn't it? Being deliberate about the constant practice of following Jesus. Winton Marsalis, a great trumpet player, one of the most accomplished in the world, Uh, the only person to have ever won Grammy Awards for both classical and jazz, and if I'm right, in the same year as well. Um, Last month, uh, he was getting ready to perform in a concert in Prague in uh, the Czech Republic. Um, Big concert, beautiful, complicated music. Anyway, uh, one of many hundreds of concerts he performs in a year. How do you think he got to be the great trumpet player that he is. I mean, it's not like he gets up each day and he just goes about doing whatever he jolly well likes then rocks up to the concert hall 10 minutes before things begin and thinks to himself, gee, I hope I do all right in this particular moment when it's all out there for everyone to see. It's not like that at all, is it? He got to be where he is because he practices daily for hours and hours, over and over and over again. Those two hours on stage are a success because of the hundreds and thousands of hours 
that have been spent like this. Remember that concert in Prague? Just before he went into rehearsal with the orchestra, he posted this online. And it says, if you can't read it there, it says, checking out the Arben's 14 characteristic studies before rehearsal. Arben's is the technical workbook of practice exercises uh, that brass musicians work on. If you've got a high school play, uh, a high schooler in your life who is learning a brass instrument, this is the workbook that their trumpet teacher or euphonium teacher is telling them to get their head down in and work on. And here he is, he's already won all the accolades available, but he still keeps working day after day after day, practising on the basics, on the technical stuff, practising step after step, walking in the same direction. That's what we're called to do as well. God has done the big job. He has planted the new tree and he is growing that fruit in our lives. Our job is to keep cultivating that, to keep walking in that direction, to keep in step with the Spirit, eyes fixed on Jesus, heart set on the things that he loves. And the way we do that, just like walking is one deliberate step after another, the way that we do that is to be deliberate about cultivating the right sorts of habits in our lives. New habits, maybe. New habits of love, of kindness. A kindness done again and again. If you're kind to someone, you don't pat yourself on the back and say, well, there you go, I've done my kindness for uh, July. Maybe October is when I'll be kind again. No, no what you want to do is you, you keep practicing kindness. You, you get better and better at it. New habits of patience and self-control. I mean, this, this is not easy. This is no walk in the park. In fact, these days, perhaps more than ever, our society is bombarding us with all kinds of messages and images of a vision for life that is not going to lead us in the direction of the fruitful life that Jesus died to give us. We're surrounded by stories and messages that teach us we ought to live for ourselves. That teach us we ought to just be able to jump in and satisfy whatever desires we have because that's being true to myself. We're surrounded by that. We, we need to be careful. We need to be deliberate about this. We can't just assume that if we go on paying no attention, everything will be okay. It's like walking. You need to have your eyes open. You need to keep moving. And we need to be carefully thinking about those habits in our life, habits that train us in the life that Jesus is growing in us by his spirit. Some of you have been walking in that direction for a long time and you can testify to how God has been at work changing you. But you also know that that's a direction you need to keep walking in. So for the next seven weeks in this series of Life Beyond the Seven Deadly Sins, we will not only look at the things which we want to make sure we're not, but that rotten fruit in the fridge we don't want to be grabbing hold of. Uh, we want to be talking also about the new habits that we can be cultivating, forming in our lives that take us to the life beyond the seven deadly sins. If you're in a growth group, 
uh, I, I want to let you know, and especially if you're a growth group leader, there are some great questions in our series companions each week from week three through to week nine. You're going to be asked to talk about and think about habits in your life that perhaps look like they belong to the old life, the crucified life that you need to put aside and think about the new habits in your life that you ought to be cultivating to help you keep in step with the Spirit. And I want to say, don't skip over those questions. They are the most important questions in the whole thing. Those, those questions of how am I going to do this, how will we do this, to keep walking in step with the Spirit, to grow that life of long obedience in the same direction. Don't skip over those questions. Spend time on them. Time is something we're short of, though. So let me finish up with two, just briefly, two tips to help us do this. The first tip, these sorts of changes work better when we're walking together. When we're walking together on the road. Uh, The Christian life is not a solo endeavor. Uh, Jesus gave us the church for a reason, not just so that we could get together on Sunday and sing hymns and hear sermons. The church is the body of Christ. We're to do these things together and, and we will do better. I mean... Think about it. How on earth are you going to get better at love on your own? What about kindness and gentleness? Those are things that require us to be working together. So that's tip number one. Do this together, walking together. Second tip, pay attention to what God's doing. God will grow this fruit in your life. So celebrate that growth when you see it coming. If you're faced with a difficult situation and, and you realize, hey, I've handled that better than I would have two years ago, three years ago, there are signs of patience and self-control turning up in my life now. Don't just let that pass you by. Celebrate it. Thank God for it. Rejoice in the fact that, that God is growing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And can I say, when you see that fruit growing in the lives of others... Celebrate with them as well. Tell them the joy that you have in seeing how God is at work in their life. I promise you that will be an encouragement to them. And it will keep them heading in the right direction. This is a road that we walk together. Pay attention. Celebrate. Don't do it on your own. Let's let's work together to help each other cultivate the fruit of that new life. That God is growing in the life of each one of his children. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're at work in our lives. We're not solo people. You've given us each other. You've given us your spirit. Help us now to be people who keep in step with the spirit. Who walk by the spirit. And so in in heading in that direction with those habits, don't gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Father, we pray this because we want to see our brothers and sisters around us glad that you're at work in their lives. We want to give you the glory and the praise for that. And so we ask these things in Jesus' name.